You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm joined by my co-host. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com. The man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. Doug, we finally have a Hornets draft pick that won an Oscar. That's right. That's right. Officially. Finally. That's right. We've been waiting for this a long time. Kobe Bryant wins the Oscar. I didn't do any other research, as usual, so I'm going to assume no other Hornet draft pick have have won Oscars. Maybe Baron Davis one day. Maybe. Uh, I think he's dating Laura Dern now, so he's got the the connection. Uh, We'll talk about the Oscars a little bit. I'd like to – I gave some movie thoughts on Friday. I saw a few more over the weekend – and I have a couple of Oscar thoughts, if anyone's interested. And if you're not, okay, well, we're going to give them anyway. <laughs> so, But before we do that, we have to recap what happened over the weekend for the Hornets. First, the game against Philadelphia on Friday night. Hornets lose 110-99. to Score not quite indicative of how tight this one was, though, David. Hornets led by six going into the fourth quarter. But that evaporated, and it was virtually tied at the six-minute mark. Philadelphia seemed to slowly but confidently overtake the Hornets, despite Kemba Walker's best effort. David, what did you see in this one? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was pretty impressed by Philly, to be honest with you. Like, I haven't watched them a ton this season. I've watched Embiid and Simmons. have enjoyed them. But like they took over that game as a veteran team, I thought. Well, they looked like the more poised team down the stretch and just executed in the fourth the old Hornets Achilles heel popped up again man they, they just you know had a lead and, and couldn't close out at the end I mean their offense in that fourth quarter was non-existent almost and that killed them yeah well I mean listen Philadelphia is a really really good defensive yeah. team they are one of the top five teams in the league in defense and, the, and they showed it to you late in this game 24 points in the third quarter for Charlotte 19 points in the fourth quarter and of course they had 36 so the Hornets both struggling to get stops and make baskets and and that's despite I mean Philadelphia gave a lot of turnover points to the Hornets 22 and we knew that was going to happen the Hornets did take advantage of that but the Hornets I, I think a big number in this one only six second chance points and and that's been a big part of their offense Dwight Howard neutralized in this game a lot of that having to do with the size and strength of Joel Embiid Uh, Dwight Howard three of seven from the field 0 of four from the line six points six rebounds one of his worst box score lines this season David and and he's been been really consistently dominant lately but he ran into the absolute future of the The NBA and Joel Embiid what happened I mean, Embiid was just too much for him. He didn't do it all. It wasn't like um, it wasn't like one thing clicked for him. He just kind of slowly went about his day and 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 amassed those points. Embiid, that is. I mean, he's just really skilled and good. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, Dwight Howard is about as a big a guy as he will face 
that can kind of not match his athleticism because no one can, but, you know, at least give an effort or move and stay in front. He's just not, he's just, it's hard to say Dwight Howard's not big enough, but he's not big enough uh, to be able to stay in front of MB the whole night, you know, and, and he, he displayed everything about his offensive game that, that people love so much. Uh, so pretty pretty scary to think about that moving forward. As long as he can stay healthy, Doug, I mean, he's going to be a beast. Yeah, and this was a real test for Embiid because this was the second night of a back-to-back for yep. Philly, and he goes 31-plus uh, minutes in this one. And w- they're starting to do this with Embiid now, but they don't do it every back-to-back. I think they said this was the fifth back second night of a back-to-back that Joel Embiid has played this season. And he... He didn't shoot the ball very well, David, but every time that he got into the post against both Howard and Hernan Gomez, because Cody oh, Zeller Lord. missed this game, uh, he yeah. just – he there, there was nothing they can do. He was 6 of 11 from the line. They could foul him. That was about it. Uh, but he also – They tried to really hard, right? They did. Yeah. They did. Three that, offensive that was... rebounds for Sarge, too, so they, they struggled to keep, keep them off the offensive boards at times. Uh, this was just a tough game for the Hornets. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of Embiid? Um, have you watched him a bunch up close? Because like you hear about his, 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 you know, his Twitter game and like his big personality. But to me, man, especially down the stretch, like he was all business, and that was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, all business, and again, he can score from all over the court, and uh, he has he just has great basketball instincts and uh, mm-hmm. physical tools. I mean, he is he is absolutely going to, uh, as you said, if he stays healthy, dominate uh, this league for a long time. One guy who was not dominating for the Charlotte Hornets, though, against Philadelphia was Marvin Williams. Really struggled late, missed multiple good looks from deep, and allowed that Ilyasova back cut uh, in the fourth quarter that felt like really a dagger uh, with two and a half remaining. Kimball would follow that up with a three-pointer to sort of drag them, I think, within two, uh, 101-99. But then uh, uh, Simmons scored again, and they, they scored like five quick points and and put the Hornets to bed. Uh, but Marvin Williams, uh, we'll, we'll talk about his performance against Toronto as well. Uh, but just while I have his name on my mouth, uh, three of 18 in this three-game losing streak for the Hornets, only one made three. Is Marvin uh, starting to show his age a little bit late in this season, mm-hmm. do you think? Yeah, I mean, it feels like it. Um, and it feels like he kind of goes through these swings the last couple of years. But maybe he'll bounce back. I mean, that's kind of been Marvin's thing. Over this year, uh, he's been the best three-point shooter out there for the Hornets for the most part. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's an older guy. And those bouncy threes, you can almost tell when they're going in. I mean, Eric Collins calls them those bouncy threes, and you can really see when Marvin uh, is feeling good and getting good elevation on his jump shot. And when it's not, it's just not even close. Yeah, and a lot of those threes coming in transition, those bouncy threes, because mm -hmm. they're able to get kind of the defense scrambled a little bit and get him wide open or get him in movement. You know, it seems like he almost shoots his three point shots better when when he's on the move and sort of steps in steps in fully to his shot and kind of leans a little bit towards the basket. Uh, That's been Marvin the Marvin Williams special this season. Uh, Kimball Walker special again in this game, thirty one points, his twelfth thirtieth point game of the season. He ha- he's had uh, double-digit 30-point games in three straight seasons. Uh, I have no question to go with this. I just wanted all of us to continue to appreciate his greatness while it's uh, yeah. still here. Uh, I see a tweet Whoa. after almost every game from an opposing team blog that says something to the effect of, oh boy, wow, that Kimba, he sure is swell, and we should all give him a hand. Isn't that cool, though? I mean, 
totally. there's a silver lining. I mean, it's it's nice to see that. And for people, because a lot of people aren't tuning into the Hornets. So I don't know if you realize this. You and I and, and our listeners and all our friends well, here, I, we watch them all the time. But but a lot of people are not tuning into the he, Hornets. He really, and, and I would put Dwight somewhat into this category. He struggled over the past couple of games, but I would put him into this category as well. I mean, he really, he makes the Hornets relevant. He keeps them from being a complete joke. He keeps the Hornets in some conversations amongst national media. And mm-hmm. uh, when when you talk about the effect of, you know, if he were traded, what would the Hornets be? And I think that's it. Like you're, you're trading away your relevance uh, within yep. within the league um, if, if you move Kimba in any way. Uh, Michael Carter-Williams wanted to touch on him. He's alternating between – since the All-Star break, he's alternating between legitimate bench threat and absolute disaster artist. In Philly, he was in the ups- <laughs> nice. He was in the upside. Yeah, that's a little Oscar tie in there. He was uh, he was in the upside down. 0 for six, two points, three rebounds. Didn't do too much better against uh, Toronto. But just kind of trying to find his way, and I, he really has it all season. He he did again. He's put up a, a few good performances, but. Um, nothing close way to consistent. Yeah, way too few and way too far between. Um, didn't shoot any threes, which is, a, <laughs> I guess, is a a good trend. I don't, I don't know. I'm struggling to come up with something out of that out of that box score that is positive. But yeah, it's just uh, kind of more of the same for for MCW. Been a frustrating season for him, I'm sure. All right, so the Hornets move on to Toronto on Sunday night. They lose that game as well. Another tight score, one hundred and three to ninety-eight. Toronto. Uh, Steve Clifford said they, that uh, Toronto is the best team in the East in his mind, forty-five and seventeen on the year, tops record-wise. Uh, the Hornets made a run in the middle of the third quarter, couldn't sustain it. They made a run in the the fourth quarter and could not sustain that as well. They give up thirty points in that third quarter. And uh, you know they beat them twenty nine to twenty one in the fourth, but not enough. One hundred three ninety eight, the final score. David, what did you see in this one? I mean, down the stretch for me, DeRozan really hit a couple of big buckets, and that's what you want from your go to guy. I mean, Kemba Walker tried to match it, and it's amazing to see what he's able to do late in game situations. I know people, are, I guess, are maybe wanting him to drive. Or I guess allowing him to drop up in their defense can stop him in to not let him shoot a three, but like he's still able to get in and hit these, get to the line, and most of the time hit these uh, finishing uh, shots that are have a high level of difficulty, but just not enough, not enough guys that can do that for the Hornets. I mean, that's the big thing. That's it's. What else can we say about it at this point, Doug? That's what I asked you after this game. It's just, yeah, you know, you, you know how these things are going to play out at this point. It's like if basically if Kemba doesn't pull off a heroic, and if they simply can't get stops on the other end, there's not much that's going to help him. And he had 27 in this one, but he was 3 of 12 from the yeah. beyond the arc. The entire team struggled from 3 in this one. Marvin Williams again, 0 for 3. And then, uh, you know, uh, 1 of 3 from Jeremy Lamb. Only one attempt from Frank Kaminsky, but he had a, a great game at the line, 8 of 8 from the line. He had he uh, chipped in 15 points, and you had the, the, uh, the 31 points combined from Lamb and Kaminsky, so you got what you wanted from them. Uh, off the bench, uh, but five of twenty-one from the three-point line. This is a Toronto team that defends the three-point line very well, so that's not surprising. The attempt number, but only five made threes. Not going to win a lot of ball games doing that. They, de- but forty-one attempts from Toronto, but they only hit twelve. They shot twenty-nine percent from the three-point line. So you get twenty-nine uh, percent from the line, 
from the three-point line from Toronto. You hold them to 103. It's a good offensive team. You hold them to 103. You feel like you got to win that game, but they you heard Clifford after the game saying, you know, they played with purpose both offensively and defensively in the fourth quarter. Just didn't do that in the first three quarters. Really let uh, Jonas Valanciunas get going uh, in that first quarter and put them in a little bit of a hole that that seemed to increase in the second quarter and then really increase in the third quarter. And you just can't go into that big of a hole against a team like Toronto. I mean, that sounds simple, but that's true. Um, Big story from this one, though, David. Dwight Howard, no minutes in the fourth quarter. Clifford, Mm. I just said it, said they played better defensively in the fourth quarter. What do you make of that, Dwight Howard getting zero minutes in the fourth? I heard a big, I told you so, coming from south of Charlotte near Atlanta. Uh, this is kind of what they went through towards the end of last year, Doug, when Dwight Howard started off really hot. I don't think I don't think that's what this is. Uh, but, you know, Clifford has done this before in the past. If things are going well or to try and get a different look, I, the, the most important thing is what happens next, I think, um, because I, this is the first I, – I, I don't recall another instance. I'm sure there has been this season, but I don't. it certainly hasn't been over an extended period of time where he hasn't played in, in key moments. Um, so we'll see how that, I mean, that to me, that's the biggest thing. Like, how does this play out over the last stretch? Like, what does this turn into now, Doug? Because with these couple losses, you know, the playoffs are getting further and further out of reach. It's, it's feeling like it's becoming too steep a hill to climb at this point. Yeah. And how Dwight figures into that is going to be interesting. That's the big picture. A small picture, I think just in this game, he didn't play the fourth quarter because they were not playing good defense with him on the floor. Some of that uh, was not his fault because Toronto was putting him in pick-and-roll situation after pick-and-roll situation. And I don't think – that honestly, I think that uh, uh, Marvin and several others were not doing a great job of playing that help defense once uh, Valanchunas rolled to the rim. There were a few plays. There were some miscommunications that happened. Uh, with with that, so there's p- part of that, but part of it was on Dwight though. Uh, he he got head faked by Jonas because he was kind of lazy on the closeout uh, early in the game. That led to a Valanciunas dunk, um, and honestly, they got Cody Zeller in that fourth quarter because he could recover back to Valanciunas on those pick and rolls. And Dwight Howard, whether you want to say that he couldn't or didn't, whatever, he wasn't. And and that's what you know. Toronto knew it, and we're just going to it over and over. And it got DeRozan, it got DeRozan open on a lot of buckets. Valanciunas had a very good game uh, overall, and and honestly, they were just playing better defensively uh, with Cody Zeller in that fourth quarter. Now, does that mean that the team overall would play better defensively with Cody Zeller, uh, you know, in, in some kind of starting role? I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think that Dwight Howard has played well, you know, and protected the rim well against certain matchups and then you know the but but again David they played two of the and I think this is where we can get big picture and this is what I tweeted after the Toronto loss look they played three Eastern Conference playoff teams they were competitive in two of those games but they lost all three and and they simply didn't have enough to beat either of these or any of these three teams and that really Whatever happens in the next 19 games, I think that really says it all, that they've got enough talent to compete with these Eastern Conference teams, but they are missing something that that would allow them to win. 
Yeah. Um, it's that, yeah. I mean, it's several things. I mean, it's all the stuff we talked about. It's all the stuff they've been missing all year. It's just that none of this stuff fits that great together. Uh, and Clifford's trying to figure out, you know, the levers to pull and, and, and things to do, but it's just how they're constructed, Doug. I mean, and, that, that, and so, you know, you look forward, you've got another year with Dwight, you've got all the contract stuff coming up. Um, no. I wonder if we'll see some sort of different approach here sooner rather than later. Cause you mentioned the 19 games. Um, yeah. I I think, listen, I think, like I think bo- this thing out. bottom line, David, I think you have a lot of players on this team who are, who are lacking confidence in certain parts of their game. Uh, Michael Carter Williams in his offensive game, Michael Kidd Gilchrist in his outside shot, Cody Zeller in his jump shot, uh, uh, Nick Batum in his three point shot kind of waxes and wanes, and his offensive uh, his offensive contributions wax and wane. Though I-, I would say he's been although he's been he's been yeah, contributing yeah. A, no yeah he's been contributing a lot in other areas. I'm not really criticizing Nick Batum. What I'm saying is yeah. that this team lacks uh, this team has players that lack confidence in certain areas of their game and has a lot of players that are not you would not define as two-way players. And yeah. so when you have that, it's not a it's not terribly a surprise that they don't have enough plays in the fourth quarter. It's not terribly a surprise when you'll have one you'll literally in in a in a four-quarter game have two quarters of great defense and two quarters of great offense and and none of those they, they never meet. They never intersect, right? Because Clifford can put a good offensive team on the floor and have no defense and can put a great Ooh, defensive a team on the floor and have no good. offense. Yeah. Yeah. Here's they my question. Guys. Go ahead. My question is this. Who out of this group, because we're going to start looking towards the future, I think, very soon. Who Let's out of this group it. would you absolutely take with you into next year and into the future? Forget salaries, forget reality. I don't want to talk about like, well, could they move this guy? I'm not talking about that. What do you want on your team? I'm telling you, yeah, you can move anyone and get relatively the same or better return for them. Who needs to stay on this team if they want to be, if they want to be not only competitive, they're competitive right now. If they want to actually win basketball games against teams like Toronto and Philadelphia. I mean, clearly, obviously Kemba's, the choice, but like after that, it's everyone else is dependent. I got one player. I got one player other than that. Dwayne Bacon. Yeah. I was kind of taking the rookies out of the conversation. I'm not. No, I think, I think if there's one, I think if, if, if there's one player that, because I, I agree with you. I think if you just, if you took rookies out, it's really only Kemba. I think everyone else, I, you could, if you really wanted to dig down deep, you, I think you could make an argument for Nick Batum. Uh, that there's a certain subset that would, that would not love that argument. <laughs> yeah, but, but he's dependent. That's, you know what I mean? Like he's got to be the, the third guy at least. Right. In order. So, uh, but I don't think you can make a strong argument for anyone else. But I, I, I would make a strong argument for Dwayne Bacon because in the in the little glimpses that I've seen from him this season, I really see a I see a confident player. I see a two way player, and 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 he he needs another off season of seasoning, maybe maybe multiple. But I really believe that uh, even more than than Malik Monk, and I'm not saying Malik Monk's not going to be a good player or that he's not going to be, you know, uh, that he's that he's expendable necessarily. I don't think the team thinks he's expendable. No. But but I think that Dwayne Bacon, for me, right now, right at this moment, 
is a guy that I would really not want to see move to another team. Yeah, for that reason and because he's a rookie, but also, yeah, he's the type of player that is in in the NBA right now. That's the type of guy that you need. Yeah, so like, he's, he's a – see, if you put a Miami Heat jersey on him right now and gave him do 25, it. 30 minutes, he'd be oh. successful. I'm telling you. Right. <laughs> no, he'd be Josh Richardson. He'd be – like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, like I yeah. think that's a guy that Miami can make success. I think it's a guy that Steve Clifford can make successful. It's just right now – he, there's a there are a lot of wing players that are better than him. Like Jeremy Lamb and Travion Graham are more dependable on both ends of the floor than he is right now. And one, mm-hmm. but once listen, the, the nineteen games left. Okay, they really can't lose more than three. I, I'm not sure this team is going sixteen and three. Actually, I am sure. <laughs> I just thought about it, and now I am sure. So I think I, I really feel like you you have to see what you have in Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk as well. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so okay, that's those are those are my thoughts. I really I really think Kimball Walker, Dwayne Bacon, those are the two guys that if if I were king of the world, if I were um, if I were leading that that organization, are the two guys that I would just not touch. Well, and here's what's frustrating, Doug, because there's two other guys you could fit into that category. You mentioned one of Batum, and I think we know the the downside of of labeling labeling him as a as a keeper as you mentioned I mean he contributes in a lot of ways but he's dependent on other guys and can't be the second or first scoring option and I think Lamb is the other guy who has the potential to be in that category he's got the athleticism he can score he can defend at times but like you know he's had, too a, many, he's had a better season just too many too many lapses, too many lapses. exactly I mean yeah. that that's the thing that's what that's ultimately what it comes down to there is there is a Again, I think there's an extra something that this Hornets team is missing, and I think on certain nights it's missing it from certain players, and I would I would count him as as one of them. And he admitted it a few nights ago that that there just weren't there weren't enough plays uh, late in games for for this Hornets team. And and I'm not put that's the thing you can't put as much as people want to put the blame on one player or one coach. I don't think that's it. I really think that this is an across-the-board uh, uh, issue with this team. It is. It is roster construction. Okay. Oh yeah. Let's yeah. Uh, now that we've we've gotten all of that out of our system. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Want to hear your thoughts on the team? We will read them uh, on the show. You can follow us on Instagram as well at Locked On Hornets. Short break. Then we'll come back. We'll talk a little Oscars. Then we'll get out of here. You're listening to Locked On Hornets. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Here on Basketball Reference, one of my favorite things is the nicknames they have listed for people. Mm-hmm. Take a guess at what Zach Collins' nickname is. Uh, the, the Big Cricket. Doug. <laughs> Doug. <Duh. Duh. laughs> yeah, really How am I supposed to compete with the Big Cricket? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. If you know me at all, if you've listened to this show at all, you probably know that I'm not a huge fan of award shows. I think it's, it's elite, very wealthy people giving awards to other elite and wealthy people and it all just feels a little weird to me. The whole red carpet thing, I just it's all it's all odd. 
it, it probably was majestic and and nice and and a, and an escapism in, in in some previous world where there were, were a lot of um, a, a lot of like worldwide struggles and challenges. But but in this in this uh, peacetime era that we're we're in, it just seems it seems all a little too opulent. Okay, but I am I'm also a fan of film. Uh, and yep. I saw a lot of the films that were up for Best Picture this season, and uh, so I tuned into the Oscars. I stayed up all night and watched Ooh. the entire thing. Really? I did. I did. It was a struggle wow. at times. I There were a lot of eye rolls, and uh, I was also working on the rundown for this show. But I did okay. watch the whole thing, and I thought, well, first of all, I think this is one of the best crop of movies, performances, writing, that we've had in many years. And you had the jokes last night that a lot of these movies didn't make any money. It Black yeah. Panthers still Black sold Panther. out all across the nation. Yeah. None of these best pictures made any money. But it was a celebration of a really, them. really good film. Yeah, and you saw them, so you, you have a good judge of that. I thought it was a measured, subdued award show. Uh, especially from the Oscars, boring. Think? I mean, I, they, yeah, okay, that's another word for it. Well, sure, it was, sure, but sure. because they and I, you wonder if it was a reaction to last <laughs> year, yeah, where you had the mistake, obviously, uh, during the Best Picture presentation, the wrong envelope, a lot of jokes there, a lot of material there. Oh, Jimmy Kimmel did a fine job. He's a good host. Yeah. He's a safe host. Like he's Jimmy Kimmel, host. he's gonna do wacky things. Took the he took the celebrities into a theater full of theater. people who thought they were just watching a preview for Wrinkle in Time. He brought people into uh, the award ceremony last season or last year. I keep saying season as if this is like a, a sports thing. Um, mm-hmm. But Kobe Bryant did win an Oscar last night for what? That was the the wasn't Dear Basketball part of the Muse Cage? It's- so the Dear Basketball was the letter or the poem he wrote. To, I think it was in the Players' Tribune. That's where everything is these days. So I think that's where that appeared. Oh. And then they turned it into a, an animated short. And they, it was scored by John Williams, uh, which was a huge big get, which I didn't realize. Uh, and I watched it. It's like two and a half, three minutes, four minutes, if you get into the credits. Uh, you know, give it a look today. I'm sure it'll be online everywhere. Um, so thumbs up for Kobe. That was awesome. Because I kept seeing him behind Christopher Nolan, and I'm like, "Who's Kobe?" And then uh, he got an, he won an Oscar, Doug. I mean, what was your initial feeling? I knew it was going to happen because I was just thinking of the Twitter reaction. Well, I mean, this my, is going to be amazing. It, well, it was amazing, and one the the Twitter, you know, NBA Twitter had some fun with it. But there is this weird juxtaposition that you can't get around. That is like the Me Too movement and the Time's right. Up movement had a big presence at the Oscars. And then you had not only Kobe, who uh, was not was not convicted, uh, but but went on trial uh, in, 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 the, in the famous uh, you know, Colorado case. And yeah. then you also had Gary Oldman winning Best Actor, and he's been accused of domestic violence as well. I, don't, I can't recall whether he was convicted or not. But so you have this weird thing where Hollywood definitely – definitely wants to deal with all of the Harvey Weinstein um, time's up, you know, me too stuff. They, they want to deal with sexual harassment within their industry and sexual violence, but they also have all of these imperfect people still getting roles and still doing well within those roles. 
And then it's like, what do you do? Do you ignore those performances? Do you ignore those things and say, okay, if you do X, then you're just out. You're out and your performance doesn't matter. They did it with Spacey. And certain people, uh, yes. and certain people seem to get a a pass on this. It's a very complicated issue. Uh, I want to What's run your down. Moment? A, What's your favorite? Yeah, go ahead. Well, my I don't really have a favorite moment because it, the jet ski was just like uh, they're going for jokes. <laughs> they're going for jokes. These are jokes. Uh, We're doing uh, jokes. Uh, that was the whole award show. Uh, was very much like Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. One of the movies that was up for Best Picture. Um, my, I, I thought it was an interesting movie, uh, but and it was one that I thought was going to win Best Picture, but I thought it just kept going for jokes in a weird tragedy. It just kept going for jokes, and that was how the Oscars were as well. just want to run down a couple of these categories. Uh, supporting actor went to Sam Rockwell, who is one of my favorite actors um, yeah. in, in Hollywood right now, and I thought it was a great performance. I th- I really wanted to see it go to Richard Jenkins of Shape of Water. I really that was like one of my favorite roles this year. Um, so you any. saw Shape of Water. I did. You're the guy. Okay. And so, what'd you think? I mean, you, you liked it. I you know I and, and it won Best Picture. Spoiler. Yeah. Um, but it uh, yeah you know I did like it. I, I don't know how I need to see. That's one I got to see again. Um, there's some interesting really? things. I won't spoil it anything for anyone that still wants to see it. Um. But it was, I can see why it won Best Picture. It was not my favorite. My favorite was Phantom Thread. Love Paul Thomas Anderson and Daniel Day-Lewis together. Um, uh, There Will Be Blood is one of my favorite movies of all time. And uh, my the one that I thought was going to win was Get Out because I thought it was the most complete film in terms of writing, directing, acting, story, visuals. If that movie didn't have some of the visuals that it had, then I think it would have been easy to count out. But Jordan Peele did such a great job. Yeah, with, and he with, won for what screen adapted screenplay or something. He won original screenplay. He wrote that. Okay, okay. And and that to me, original screenplay was one of the 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 toughest categories because let me see if I can pull this up. Yeah, so you had the Big Sick, which was uh, uh, amazingly written by Kumail. Nanjiani and Emily Gordon, who is, um, they're married. And then uh, Get Out by Jordan Peele, which won. Lady Bird, which was fantastically written. Oh, man. Shape yeah. of Water, which had a, a really good script, really good story. And Three Billboards, which, uh, again, was sort of a, a Coen Brothers mold, tragic comedy, black comedy, and, and had some really, uh, really great lines as well. So that was a tight category. Get Out wins that one. Um, you know, the music, the original score category was really tough, too, because Dunkirk, Phantom Thread, Shape of Water, uh, Three Billboards, all had good scores, and then Star Wars in that as well. John Williams, uh, uh, always fantastic at his job, but Shape of Water wins that as well. I get it. I mean, it was it was a, it was was a an interesting score. It was not your, your sort of classical score. Um, definitely worth a listen. And then, uh, yeah, Del Toro and Shape of Water win for uh, picture and director. I really thought Jordan Peele might get a look at director as well, or even Christopher Nolan with Dunkirk. Nolan, yeah. That was a tough one. Um, Frances McDormand, I mean, that was Runaway. She absolutely deserved Best Actor. In a film with a lot of problems. Three Billboards had a lot of problems. Um, but Frances McDormand was not one of them. She was absolutely fantastic. If you don't... See that movie for nothing else but Francis McDormand. Yeah, 
That's, that's, I'm still going to watch that. So Lady Bird was shut out then, right? Lady Bird was shut out, and it's man, that's crazy. You know, it's it's. Here's the thing, and I thought about this a lot. You know, I really think Get Out wins last year. I think Lady Bird has a shot two years ago. Like I really felt yeah. like there was a lot of these films. I mean, Phantom Thread I thought was just was just an amazing, classically shot, beautifully scored. Visually, it wasn't as stunning, but the the character moments in this movie were were just out of this world, cringe inducing in in a fantastic way. And I think Phantom Thread wins in any other year. There was there were just so many great films up for Best Picture of the Year. I really think it's one of the best crops they've had in a long, long time. And you didn't have a movie that did extremely well at the box office, sort of mucking things up and taking votes away because it's like you get some of these years where it's like, man, this movie did so well. Like we have to give it, we have to right. give it some love. You didn't really have that. None of these films made any money. Um, Shape <laughs> of Water, I think it won because it was so genre bending, but also it, here's the thing. Uh, the Oscars loves to reward movies about famous people. And this goes to why I hate award shows because it's just, it's backslapping. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just weird. And they, they love giving awards to movies about movies. And, and I really feel like there were, there were no movies like that. There were no La La Lands in, in this, in this crop this year, but shape of water was as much an appreciation of a film from a movie that wasn't about filmmaking. Uh, it, it really, it, it just really the, was. Yeah, you could say the you could say the same thing about Get Out in a different category. I mean, the 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 genre, like the horror suspense category. I think it hit on a lot of the of the uh, you know the necessities that you have in that in that genre as well. Well, I'll tell you, Phantom Thread was. You haven't seen this movie, right? No. See it. it it's. It's a horror film in in a very Hitchcockian way. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. if you're into that at all, if you're into Vertigo, it, you you'll be into this movie. It's uh, it really is. I, I just think it's Paul Thomas Anderson just loves making movies, and mm-hmm. and it shows in like every shot and every line. And he wrote he wrote directed and shot this film. He was the cinematographer. He was uncredited, but he was the cinematographer. So like as as obsessive as Daniel Day Lewis is about acting, Paul Thomas Anderson is about creating a story. And yeah, yeah, it's sad that Daniel Day Lewis is is retiring. I guess uh, because I would have loved to see three, four more films out of those two. Um, but all in all, you know, a lot of the favorites won. This was not a there. There were not a lot of upsets. Best Picture was a toss up. Could have gone to anybody. Could have gone to three billboards. I thought Get Out had a shot. Um, I, I thought Shape of Water was definitely a favorite. Uh, Darkest Hour, I thought, could have been a dark horse or even Call, call Me By Your Name. But uh, it goes to Shape of Water. Those, those, are, my, those are my Oscar thoughts. I th- again, not my favorite movie. Um, not the one that I would have voted for. I would have voted for Get Out because I thought it was the most complete film. But Shape of Water, I, I, it was a movie I like walked away from and was stunned for a variety of different reasons. Uh, I just had a few problems with it, and that's why I didn't vote. That's why I would not have voted for it. But it's definitely a movie worth seeing. So those that's are my. What you think? Those are my Oscar thoughts. 
check out uh, uh, Deer Basketball. What's it called? Is that what it's called? Kobe's it's called, yeah. Basketball. Check out Kobe's film. Yeah. It's good. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of tomorrow night's game against the Philadelphia 76ers. They visit Ooh. Charlotte's. And then we've got uh, Pete Gwelly coming up on Wednesday. He's going to tell us about this Steve Smith bobblehead coming up on March 10th. I want to know how oh. this – I'm just curious how this happened. I want to know who had the idea, where did this come from, and how can I get one? That's <laughs> Those are the questions <laughs> that I have. How can I get a free one? That's what I really care about. Uh, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.